Welcome back to Gardening Talk, back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Got Scott, great to see you. Great to see you too. Always tongue-tied at the start as per usual, nothing different there. Oh, that's a good Monday if we're not tongue-tied. Exactly right. What have you got for us today, Scott? I thought uh, what we'd talk about uh, was... Uh World Nude Gardening Day. World Nude Gardening Day. Is I got that... pretty excited about that on Saturday. Hopefully not too excited. Uh, no, I hope not. <laughs> and uh, I thought we'd talk today about uh, sedum donkey tail, Virginia creeper and ornamental grapes because they're looking fantastic at the moment with all the colour that they've got on them and also Exora uh, Prince of Orange, a fantastic shade-loving plant. Beautiful. So if you do have any questions for Scott Sharp as well about Gardening Nude Day perhaps? Yes. Or is it Gardening Nude Day or Nude it's Gardening? Nude ga- Nash- International Nude Gardening Day on Saturday. Oh, this Saturday? Or? No, it's already gone. It's, it's, it's happened. Oh, that's a little bit disappointing. It is, isn't it? Now, Scott, you mentioned at the top of the program a plant called the Sedum Donkey Tail. Yes, yeah, Sedum Donkey Tail. Right. Is it, how has it got the name Donkey Tail? Because it actually looks like a donkey's tail. It's, it's like a hanging sedum, yep. hanging succulent. So you can put them in, uh, in hanging pots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're ideal for that because often if you've got a hanging pot, it's up a bit high and you don't water it so well. Uh, and so this donkey's tail is fantastic for that. It just hangs down with this sort of, uh, oh, it's a very light greeny sort of colour to it. It's not lime green. It's much lighter than that. And it can hang down quite some distance. And it looks really spectacular. Now, the fantastic thing about it is that it, it just thrives on absolute neglect. Look, you go on holidays. Uh, you could forget to, to water the thing. And it's going to keep on going for you. It will be back when you get back. But, I mean, if you did that same thing with a cat... <laughs> it's going to be completely different. It's, but with, a, it's a different story. It's a different story. But with the donkey's tail, you can do that and all's going to be well. Uh, so, look, it'll grow out in the full sun. Uh, they come from Mexico, so, you know, I think it's pretty hot down there. Fairly hot. Yeah, I think it's... Be fairly, is it humid there as well? I'm not really sure about that. If anyone's know. Mexican and can tell yeah. us that, yeah. Well, from the Central America area? Yes. I, I guess, well, as further south you go, it must get more humid around Guatemala and all those mm. places. But Mexico, we don't know. Uh, I mean, we don't want to stereotype Mexican, so if anyone is Mexican, they could call up and tell us. I'd say it'd be hot. It's definitely hot, though. It's definitely hot, I'd say it would be, and it must be desert-like as well, you, you should think so. You should think so. Yeah, so we'll, Jeez, we'll... we have a basic education. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we're going to find out. Uh, look, now, the only thing that's probably... It's going to grow very well here in Australia, pretty much all over Australia. The only thing that's going to hammer it a little bit is the cold. Yep, okay. Uh, so, you know, the further south you go, you know, south of Sydney, down around that area into the mountains, you can grow them. The only thing you're going to do is uh, need to give them some protection. So if you're out around Cessnock, uh, you know, places where you might get a frost, mm-hmm. certainly grow them. But, uh, you know, have them outside in the summer, but then once you get to the uh, winter months, it's going to be that cold that, that affects them. So you might have to put them in under the veranda, for instance, or hang them in under some trees. Give them a bit of protection. Yeah, just protection from that sort of that cold settling on the top of them. So, uh, look, a, a great thing for, uh, you know, young blokes uh, that might have just moved out of home for the first time and they're not really good on, uh, you know, housework. Looking and after plants. Looking but... after plants. And uh, so an ideal plant for them as well uh, as a gift. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they can hang it there and don't have to look after it too well and it's going to keep on going and look quite nice for them. Very so good. That's uh, Sedum's donkey tail. Also good for children's parties. Yeah, I guess so. It, it looks almost like um, if you grew it really, really thick, it'd be like almost like dreadlocks hanging okay, down. Okay. Yeah, so it gets very, very thick, but a very light green colour. Okay, I was thinking pin the tail, but nevertheless. Oh, okay, yeah, we could do that with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got Patricia from Budgie and she's got a question in regards to lily pillies. How can we help you with them, Patricia? Hi, Scott. How are you? Very well. I ran to ask you, I have a lily pilly mm-hmm. that is becoming a monster. Ooh, okay. Um, 
it's it's getting very large. Yes, yes. Can I cut it back any time, or do I need to wait until spring, or you know, what's the best thing to do? Yeah, lily pillies are very very prunable. People use them in hedges a lot, so yeah. uh, they're they're very easy to look after like that. Uh, look, it's not it's not a bad thing to prune it back now. The only thing is you won't get much growth as we go into the cooler months, uh, but certainly do that. What which uh, particular variety do you think you've got? Is how tall is it now? About two and a half metres high. Okay, so most of the varieties that uh, you know garden centres sell now are the ones that get to about three to four metres tall. There is still uh, Lamanii, Lamanii, uh, which can get up to eight to twelve metres tall around here. So it's more like a small tree. Yep. Uh, but all the other ones, uh, you know, like Resilience and Cascade, they only get to three to four metres tall. So it might be sort of topping out at the moment. Uh, for you so but if you want to keep it you know uh, smaller you certainly can you can give it a short back and sides you can square it up you could even turn it into a nice looking elephant or something if you were really artistic with it <laughs> okay any time of the year any time of the year really look dead of winter of course it's not going to grow back very much so it might be best to you know if you're going to do it now do it you know very soon uh, otherwise i'd be waiting until mid-august to do it again okay okay excellent Thank you. Thanks, Patricia. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Oh, we've got Jamie now from a blacksmith, and they've got a question about tiger grass. How, how can we help you, Jamie? There you go, mate. Um, I'm just bringing up, I've, I've got some tiger grass that's fairly well established. It's been in the ground for probably two years now. Um, it's probably at a height of about three metres high. Yes, at yeah. The moment. Um, now, I just wanted to, it's starting to thin out a, a bit at the bottom mate and um, uh, it's still got plenty of foliage on top but I'm trying to thicken up the centre but I'm just wondering the best way to go about it and whether or not now's the time to cut it back to get that new growth back through. Uh, look, again, cutting it back now as we go into the cooler months, uh, you're probably not going to get too much growth coming on, you know, within the next, you know, if you cut it now, you'll probably get a month's growth and then it'll, it'll slow up again for you. Uh, the right. great thing about tiger grass, though, is you can cut it right back down to the ground and it'll respring out there for you and thicken up. Uh, okay. so, but if you don't want to go that harsh, you don't have to. You can just sort of, you know, tinker around the edges if you want to. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's going to happen with tiger grass, though, is I guess it's always going to be trying to spread out. So most of the growth is going to be on the outside of the plant. Uh, right. Yeah, so that, that's, just, that's just something to keep in mind. But certainly you can cut it back now if you want to. Uh, look like Patricia with her uh, lily pilly. Uh, you do it within the next month or you'd wait until the middle of August. Rightio, thanks a lot for that. Okay. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And look, mate, uh, they're a green leafy plant, so uh, use some poultry manure on there uh, because it's high in nitrogen So, and you want that right. you know, green leafy growth. So heaps of nitrogen and you'll be set. Yeah, we've got plenty of um, mulch around the bottom, the sugar, sugar cane mulch just to, uh, around the base. But, um, yeah, um, I'll, I'll look into the chook, chook yep, poo yep, as well. Yeah, chook poo will do the trick for you. Okay, mate, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you, Jamie. Have a good afternoon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Jamie. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 URFM. If you've got any questions, 49216216. And we've got Cynthia from Nelson Bay. She's got a question about Tamarello. How can we help you, Cynthia? Oh, hi. Um, I have a, t a Tamarello tree, which I planted probably about six months ago. It's in a pot because we've got a courtyard back backyard. Um, it had some beautiful big leaves on and it's grown quite tall. But unfortunately, through the hot weather, all the leaves fell off, but I've still got a 
quite a few at the top. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering how long it takes to actually fruit and should I be putting anything on it now? Uh, look, yeah, so with any fruiting plant like that, you use uh, an all-purpose fertiliser and you've got it in a pot, did you say? Yes, it's in quite a large pot, about 18 centimetres by, oh, no, yeah, about 18 inches by 18 inches. Okay, so the best thing to do is use a, an all-purpose, uh, you know, fertiliser, a liquid fertiliser like Flourish. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got one uh, for tomatoes, which would be quite good for your tamarillo. Uh-huh. I've got a question for you. What does it actually taste like? I've never never tasted oh, one. Tamarillos, they're a tarty flavour, but they're yeah. very um, big in iron. Uh, they have an iron content. Okay, so what, where, what do you have it with? Ice cream or...? <laughs> No, you can just eat them out of the skin. Ah, they're beautiful, okay. or you can chop them up in a fruit salad. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, oh, oh, so no, they're... they're beautiful. I used to have them in New Zealand, and they used to grow quite well. Okay, so it's just something to give a little bit of tartiness to the... To yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. You yeah. learn something every day, don't you? Mm. You do. My daughter-in-law gave me the tree, and I was so excited, but I was very disappointed when the leaves fell off. Yeah, look, now... And, the... uh, but as I said, there's still a few at the top, but I don't know whether it's actually going to fruit or how long it takes to fruit. Now, the other thing I'd be looking at doing is making sure that it's, it's protected uh, during... Uh, winter because they they are uh, a native to uh, you know sort of central south america colombia peru mm-hmm. chile mm-hmm. bolivia and those places there so uh, as greg was just so eruditely discussing before that um, you know it's quite humid down that way and warm uh, so right. you just have to be uh, you know careful here in winter um, so yeah just be careful about that uh, as far as uh, fruiting it probably won't be uh, back until uh, August again August, that, you'll get September. Some, yeah, yeah. that you'll get some fruit okay. off it yeah. but how often will I do that fertiliser will I fertilise it now while it's dormant or? Uh, look you, you can uh, fertilise at the moment uh, I'd be inclined to fertilise about three times a year in a pot uh, you never want it to get hungry Okay, then. That okay. sounds great. That might be the trick. Excellent. So you, you can use the uh, liquid fertiliser. You can also use something like Bounce Back as well a couple of okay. times a year. That gives some extra organic matter uh, back into the potting mix. But certainly use the uh, the liquid ones for an instant uh, feed. And you can use those probably every month if you want to. Oh, okay, then. Oh, that's great. That helps a lot. Okay, thanks very much for that. Thanks, thanks Scott. Bye. Okay, thank you, Cynthia. I've never had a tamarillo either. It might be on the to-do list to try, I think. Yeah, well, I've never had one, so I thought we'd ask someone who's obviously, uh, you know, expert. In the know. And if you, look, if you can't have ice cream with it... Yeah. Yeah. yeah you kind of like, you'd probably get custard or something, maybe. You can have ice cream with anything. Can you? Yeah, well, that's what I think, anyway. Okay. That's a weird diet you have if you're having <laughs> ice cream with everything. It's Gardening Talk back on you and URFM. We've got Brian, and he's got a question about camellias. How can we help you, Brian? Yeah, hi, Scott. Um... On the weekend, my wife discovered that a camellia bush that we've had up up the back uh, for quite a long time is um, half of it has has died off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, uh, one, what can I look for that that what might be killing it? The other half is flowering and it looks quite healthy. What I intend to do is to chop all the dead bits off, just. Um, turn the soil over gently around it, put mm-hmm. a bit of blood and bone, a bit of mulch around it and see if it survives. Yeah, look, really you've almost answered the question for me there. That That's pretty much all you can do. So, uh, look, it's hard to say without seeing it why a piece would just die off like that. Uh, camellias can get fungal disease which and that sort of manifests itself like that. But if it's, you know, widespread, that's hard to say. Often it can be just the tips of the leaves that die off from the fungal disease, oh, the tips of the branches, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. The no, branches so, have died off and the leaves, you know, were just dried out and, and I've just gone back as far as I can and 
cut all the dead mm. stuff off and I've finished up with half a bush. Yeah, so look, you've, you've done the right thing there. Uh, you've given it a gentle fertiliser, blood and bone. It's a nice, safe, gentle one to use. Yeah. And uh, you're just watering it and mulching it as normal. Uh, look, if you really wanted to, you could go and grab a uh, fungicide like Mancozeb Plus and you could give the plant a spray with that and see what happens, uh, you know, just as a, as a preventative uh, about it for anything coming further into it. Yeah, I've, I've looked fairly carefully over mm-hmm. the remaining uh, healthy stuff and there doesn't appear to be any anything on it. The flowers are, seem to be quite okay. But Okay, and the, and the leaves and everything, is you know, there's no puckering or misshapenness to them? No, no, they just look normal. That's why it's a mystery why it's suddenly one half is... Has died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look again, without looking at it, um, it's it's going to be difficult in this case. Uh, but look, you have done all the right things. And, so regardless, then, uh, if it's got fungus or not, it won't hurt to use the mancozeb anyway. Absolutely not. No, you can certainly use that. Yeah. And we've got Claire from Maitland, and she's got a question about the weeping cherry. How can we help you with it, Claire? Hi, Scott. Uh, I've got a weeping cherry that all of a sudden has started shooting up straight up, straight up into the sky so instead of weeping it's got all these shoots going off and someone said oh you need to cut them and I'm like oh not quite sure exactly what's supposed to happen there yeah so weeping cherries are usually grafted on at the top and yep. it, it might be that uh, you know you're getting a, a like a water shoot coming from below the graft that's something you just have to go and physically look at to see where those shoots are actually coming from. And, and the graft is usually fairly evident. You can see you know, where it's been put together, I guess, is the best way to, to uh, describe it. And yeah, it, it is below the graft. Okay, so you do need to prune those off in that case. Okay, now is there a time that you're supposed to do it? Because someone was saying you should wait until the plant's dormant. No, no, we're in that situation. You do that as soon as possible because you don't want that part of the plant trying to take over from... It's just really taking energy away from the top part of the plant, from the reaping part. So you want to do it as soon as possible. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much for that. That's all right. Isn't it fantastic when we can help out and satisfy another satisfied customer? (laughs) It is. Yep. (laughs) Have a great day. Okay, thank you, Claire. Especially, you were all over it then too, Scott. Oh, no, I was just straight in there, wasn't I? Just no mucking about. There no. was no stretching it out trying to get an answer, but no. yeah. Right up a drain pipe straight there. Too easy. We've got Beverly now from Raymond Terrace, and she's got a question about navel orange trees. Hopefully we can help you just as uh, satisfactorily as we help Claire. <laughs> Beverly, what's wrong with your orange? Uh, well, I've had beautiful oranges each year, and this year... A half of the oranges have dropped off with all mould on them. Mm. Oh. Okay, so uh, you do need to spray in that case with a copper-based spray. Copper oxychloride is the one that you need. And uh, you need to pick any of those oranges that have dropped off, uh, you know, and they're on the ground. You need to get rid of those into the garbage bin to get rid of those fungal spores away from the tree. Yeah, well, I've, I've uh, raked them all up mm-hmm. and... Um, the ones that are on the tree that are going all mouldy, I just get them off too. Yeah. But there's not too many oranges left. Yeah, look, again, you're doing the right thing. Uh, now, you need to be spraying. Uh, like I said, you also need to drench the soil around the plant to try and get rid of any fungal spores that have been deposited there by the uh, by the uh, the oranges that have dropped onto the ground. Uh, so, yeah, look, you need to try and get up as high as possible into the tree and spray the existing plants. It's like almost like a melanose that you've got there, and copper oxychloride will do the trick for you. 
Sorry, say that again. It's called copper oxychloride, the, the Cop- chemical. Copper. Oh, yeah, just ask for a copper spray when you go to your garden centre and they'll be able to help you. Yes, they will. Yep. Yes, it's a shame because uh, I, there's not a lot of oranges left and it was laden. Yeah, that's that's no good. So, look, no orange juice up at your place uh, for the season. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, but um, it's very disappointing. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for the call, Beverly. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Okay. Have a nice afternoon. Yes, I'll... This is Beverly. It is Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. We've got John now from Cessnock, and he's got a question about a devil's ivy. Sounds I sounds have. sinister, John. How can we help you with it? Mate, um, look, I've, I've been to Bunnings. I've been pretty much everywhere trying to get a hold of it. I know it was quite popular many years ago, and you could buy it just about anywhere. But um, I had pretty good success with one uh, with a plant a long time ago, and I had it trained nicely to grow uh, in and out some lattice work on the back veranda. Yeah. Now, what I've got at the moment is, and I don't know what the, the plant's called, but it's so very similar to a devil's ivy, it's not funny, but it, it's got a nice broad green leaf, and, and some parts of the way down the stem, it'll shoot off like a root system, and it's a climber. So what I've done is I've cut some of that and put it in some water to see whether or not the root system will develop. And I don't know whether it's the right or the wrong thing. Uh, look, it's, enti- it's entirely possible that it will develop for you. Uh, you know, th- those plants do love sucking up water. So you're, you're doing the right thing. Uh, so it, it might be some sort of philodendron that you've got, um, and, and they will certainly grow in water like that. Eventually, though, you have to put it into soil because there's not enough nutrient in the water, but it is a good way to get them started. Yeah, and that's what I thought. But given the fact that it looks like it has a root system that comes off the stems, mm-hmm. like they're a beautiful, big, green, lush leaf like a devil's ivy. They don't... Uh, they're very similar, and, and I just thought maybe if I put that in water for a few days and then potted it, would it shoot? Usually you wait for the roots to actually uh, come out into the water, and, and it will shoot once those roots have, uh, have come out for you. Uh, look, the, what, uh, you know, climbers, tropical climbers like that uh, don't necessarily use their roots uh, for, for soil. Mostly they're actually using it to cling on to the branches of trees so they can get up to the light. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what it's done. It's, yeah. It's in a paddock down the road sort of thing, and it's not a native plant by any means. It's definitely something that's gone mad from uh, at some stage, and I've just happened to come across it and thought I'd just try that to see whether or not it would climb and develop roots. I know devil's ivy, you could cut that off and put it in water and mm-hmm. it would develop roots. And yeah, yeah. And, and look, it's going to be exactly the same thing for the type of philodendron that you've got at the moment. You still can get devil's ivy, mate. Uh, most good uh, garden centres have, have got them. They're fairly popular at the moment. Yeah, OK. I've tried a few places yep. that are fairly popular and nobody seems to carry it anymore. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um Look, you might have been able to put me onto somewhere that might sell it. Yeah, look, again, uh, your small garden centres, independent garden centres should have them, uh, you know, variety of sizes. So, yeah, give give them a try. Ring around and see what happens. All right. Well, thanks very much for your help. I just wanted to, yeah, just wanted to have a chat with you about that. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for that, John. Thanks, mate. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. If you've got any questions, 49216216 is the number to call. And we've got Peter from Walls End. Now, he's got a question about port wine magnolias. How can we help you with it, Peter? G'day, Scott. How are you? Yeah, um, mate, we've got um, possibly, uh, probably around about eight or nine port wine magnolias mm-hmm. planted as a, um, on the boundary between us and some neighbours. They're about two to three metres tall. They've been planted in for about six or seven years. They've yep. been great. 
uh, you couldn't see through. Now um, they've thinned out down towards the bottom, um, and we've just gone out. We've just got home now, listened to you on the radio, and uh, I thought oh, I'll ring up. But the, some of the they're, they're really really thin. You can see through them now, um, and some of the leaves um, going yellow and falling off. Uh, we just wondered what we should be feeding them to thicken them up, if we can do that. Yeah, look, I'd give them some cow manure. Uh, they right. can get a little scale on them, a little white scale. So just yes, check. Yes, I've just noticed that. Yes, okay, and that's probably why the leaves are, are yellowing off. So uh, look, you need to spray for that and spray all over the plant uh, with right. some sort of scale spray. Right. Uh, look, as far as uh, pruning the plant, be careful about oh. pruning them. I've gone and pruned them before. Yeah. Um, very hard, and they yeah. get water shoots on them. You know, like you see a jacaranda tree getting water shoots. Yeah, so yeah, be yeah, careful yeah. about that. If you're going to try and thicken it up, just prune, shave around the top of it, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Well, the neighbour that was um, um, living next door, he he was uh, concerned that, that the shadow that these were causing was interfering with his roses. As I say, they're on the boundary. So mm-hmm. he came in and said, oh, I need to prune these back. What can you do? They were on his side, so he's trimmed them back pretty severely on one side, and that's when we noticed how thin they became. Mm. So we're trying to thicken them up. So if we give them a, a, a hose down with some sort of anti-scale, yes. um, is pest oil any good? Uh, yeah, pest oil should be fine for most scales. Uh, right. There's also eco-oil, which is yes. uh, you know quite yeah. safe to use, especially okay. you know, with bees and stuff around, because uh, in a way you just need to choke the scale. You don't really need an insecticide no, no, there. Yeah. So, uh, and then if we just give it a really good dose, dig in some cow manure all the way down through it. Absolutely, and if you want to, you can just shave some, uh, you know, off the top to try and thicken it up. Beautiful. Down, down, okay, back down we'll to the try base. that. Okay, okay, excellent. Thanks, Scott. Okay, good luck Bye. with it, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks very much. Now we've got Bev from Toronto, which she's got a question about a persimmon tree. Persimmon. Persimmon. Persimmon tree. I was close. Hi. <laughs> That's all right. He's doing pretty well, isn't he, Bev? <laughs> I mean, once a week he's expected to come and pronounce, you know, plants that he probably doesn't know. Or seen. Or seen, yeah, and he, I think he's doing pretty well. Yeah, well, there's plenty of plants that you can hardly pronounce the name of. Oh, and I, I tell you, I make a hash of them every now and again. <laughs> right, well, the persimmon tree's been in, oh, I don't know, must be over 10 years. Yeah. But it's only about four foot high. Uh, they don't grow any bigger? Uh, persimmons, what's that, what's that been in... Uh, that's about, um, oh, what, a bit over a metre, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, look, yeah, they, they, yeah. yeah, look, they can get a little bit taller than that. Um, you know, they can get probably up to about, you know, three to four metres around here in Newcastle. I wonder why it's not getting too much taller for you. Um, I don't know. We live on a hill. There's yeah. a lot of drainage. Okay. What about, is there clay soil that you've got around? I'm wondering if the plant might be going down and hitting clay and that's sort of, uh, you know, stopping its growth for you. Quite a few rock breakers broken when we were building. Uh, yeah. So there's there's rock there and clay, and we imported all the soil that's here to you know for the garden. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't mind it being smallish because I can you know get all the fruit yeah, off it. Yeah. <laughs> and look, and that's often a problem with uh, you know larger fruit gro- mm. growing trees that all the uh, all the fruit sort of grows up to the top of the plant. And it's actually impossible to get it unless you you know teetering and tottering around on a big tall ladder, or you get a, mm. a cherry picker, or you've got one of those newfangled drones that come in and pick it for you. There's an idea. <laughs> oh, hey, there there's, we go. There's another idea. Yeah. Uh, so uh, look, <laughs> the fact that me, but it, the thing is that it's had um, curly leaves on it. You know, the mm. leaves sort of curl around, and I. Uh, 
I thought, well, it doesn't look natural, but is it natural for the leaves to sort of curl over? Look, not especially, no. So it may also have, uh, you know, some sort of mite insect there sucking away at the leaves, uh, uh, the sap out of the leaves, and it's distorting and, and uh, you know, sort of pulling the plant backwards. I'd be uh, inclined to give it a spray with some sort of miticide. You can use uh, eco-oil on that. That's a nice, safe miticide to use. And the other thing uh, I would do is get some uh, cow manure and give it a good old feed with that, mm-hmm. uh, just to try and um, and uh, you know give it a feed. Because if it is, you know, if its root systems are down into the into the rock or to the clay, it's not going to be a very happy plant. Uh, right. So some extra feed might be boosting it, and uh, it'll also help it fight off, uh, you know, the uh, uh, any insects that's there as well. He's got comfrey. My husband is in a nursing home now, yeah. unfortunately. Um, he's a great gardener. Um, he has comfrey growing all around underneath it. Oh, yeah, it look, yeah. looks very healthy. Um, so is that good to leave it there? Yeah, look, that's not that's not harmful at all. Uh, you know, often putting herbs like comfrey, uh, marigolds, uh, you know, mint and stuff like that, that works as a companion planting. So that can be helpful as well. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Uh, but look, I'll just get in and feed it. Uh, maybe if those leaves are, you know, really distorted, use that uh, eco oil as a miticide to try and get it under control. Oh, good. Thank you so much. Excellent. Not a problem. Good luck with it, Bev. Good. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've got John from Alibana, and he's got a question, Scott, about passion fruits. How can we help you with them, John? Uh, well, Scott, I've had them ripe. I'm oh, not ripe. I'm sorry. They're green. They're big. I've got heats on, and they've been green for a month. And they won't ripen. Yeah, it's it's sort of getting towards the point in time where passion fruit aren't going to ripen too well now, as the heat, uh, you know, goes out of out of the season for us. Uh, so unfortunately, there's not too much you can do about that. I guess you could go and get some heat lamps, or you know, take them to a tanning oh, studio yeah. and try and get the heat into them. Uh, look, you you're probably best just to start to thin some of those off. Uh, yeah, and uh, look, oh. if you get a couple to ripen, you know, well and good. But uh, otherwise, you know, as it goes further and further yeah. into winter, it's just not going to ripen for you. Because yeah, I'm still getting flowers, yeah. and they've got the bees, some bees working on them, yeah. and they're starting to get the small passion fruit and grow on. And I was just can't understand why they didn't ripen. And even mm. even next door, their vines growing over the fence, and I can't even knock one of them off because they're green. <laughs> Now, well, look, and that's great that you've got a really healthy plant that's fruiting like that and that the bees are around pollinating them. But, uh, yeah, look, unfortunately, as it does get uh, cooler and cooler, there's oh. just little chance. And I think it's just the, the weird and wonderful weather that we get. You know, the plants get tricked yeah. into into fruiting and flowering when they, you know, perhaps shouldn't be. Uh, righto. All right, then. Okay, mate, so thin, thin, thin them out. Leave some on there just in yeah. case. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, look, it's starting to get a bit cool now. Righto. Thanks very much. Okay, mate. No worries. Okay, bye. Thank you. Yep, days are getting shorter. Well, we've got Robin now from Toronto, and she needs advice about these large white grubs that seem to be in a pot plants. That's that's not good, is it? No, that's not good at all, Robin. No. Well, the latest one, the cactus pot fell over, and it only had just special <laughs> cactus potting mix in it, and then more, at least six or eight grubs in it. Yeah. So look, they're, they're, called, they're called chafer grubs, and they're actually the pupa of uh, a beetle, like a Christmas beetle. 
right. Yeah, so, but the trouble with them is in a situation like that, in a contained situation like a pot, uh, they're in there eating the root system away of your plant and making it very, very unhappy. Uh, look, I think out in the garden, you know, all well and good. Uh, you know, that's just right. sort of nature taking its course. But when they're in that really concentrated area and they can't, get away anywhere to eat something else they're just going to you know damage your plant irreparably uh, so the only thing to really do is get an insecticide of some sort uh, I would suggest uh, uh, malathon can work for you uh, you can also use carbaryl as well if you want to but only in a contained situation like that uh, oh, yeah. And you mix it up in the watering can and you just drench it through the soil a confidor will also work for you as well all right. Okay. okay, and so you just drench it through the soil and that will kill them in there for you. All right, okay then. And going back to your other uh, listener before about the persimmon tree, mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger, the, our friend's officer had one and it was a huge, massive big mm. tree. It wasn't little at all. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, yeah, like I said with the, uh, I think it was from Bev from Toronto, that uh, that she's certainly got some uh, issues if they've had rock breakers and things in there. I, I think that the root system of that plant's probably uh, hit the uh, the rock or the clay and underneath and it's not going to go any taller because they, okay. can, they can get quite tall. They can get, uh, you know, at least over four metres uh, and, you know, sometimes up to 15, 12 to 15 metres. So they can be quite a large plant if they're in the right situation. Yes, it was more like the 15-metre one, I think, that yes, yeah. I can remember. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, Thanks well, good luck getting, getting rid of those chafer grubs out yeah. of your pots, yeah. I'll try. Okay, okay then. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Robin. Bye. Bye-bye. Chafe, can you just use talc for that, though? Chafer? Oh, chafing. chafer grubs. That's only if they were down in the dax, mate. That's oh. when you'd be using that. <laughs> and they're not very nice and they've got big teeth, so they might, oh, okay. uh, they might latch onto you need more than, more than talc. Yeah, especially if you're doing the naked gardening. They might latch onto something. But, oh, yeah. I don't think that'd be a pleasant sight all around. No, for I don't anyone. think so at all. I'll stop there. <laughs> it's a gardening talk back. We've got Stephen from Singleton, and he's got a question about daffodils. Stephen, how can we help you? Hello, how are you going? Pretty well, mate. That's good, that's good. I've got some daffodils I've been trying to grow. Yes. Everyone says to me I should be just seeing my daffodils in bowls, but mine have actually already flowered, mm-hmm. and now they're wilted over. So I'm a bit lost to where I should be with them. Look, mate, it might just be that you've started off early with them, uh, because usually, you know, you, you'd buy them, oh, look, within the last month or so. You might put them in the crisper uh, to trick them that it's cold, and then when it does get cold... Uh, you'd plant them and they'll last almost right through until August for you. Uh, look, I, I think you might have just got them out a bit early and mm-hmm. uh, planted them. And that's don't don't be worried about that. You've you've done pretty well actually to get them to grow uh, when it's warm. But daffodils are one of the toughest bulbs that you'll you'll grow. They're much tougher than growing tulips and hyacinth and stuff like that. Uh, that's why they're, they're so prevalent. Uh, so, look, don't worry about it. Now, with bulbs, uh, even though it is sort of dying back, it's actually feeding the bulb for next year to come back up. So don't be concerned about that and don't go and cut the, the dead leaves or the, any green that's left because it's actually feeding the bulb for next year. Right. And how much sunshine should they have? Uh, so, yeah, daffodils like having full sun. They like being out in right. full sun, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to move them a bit then because I've got them a bit protected. Right. Yeah. Okay, but look, if, if they're in some shade, you know, some morning shade, don't be concerned about that. But largely they like to be out in the full sun to get proper flowering. Right. Yeah. Well, they're in, they're in shade now, so that's, that'll be my afternoon job. Okay, and, and you got proper flowering out of them, mate? Yeah, yeah, they do. They had lovely yellow flowers for a while and now they're all bent over and 
Okay. Green, but okay. bent over. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they've they've uh, they've had their use. So all's well. It almost must be like uh, Holland over at your place. Must be. <laughs> <laughs> Righty, thank you. Okay, not a problem at all. Thanks for that, Steve. Bye bye. Cheers, Steve. It's guarding talk back on to a new RFM. Well, Scott Sharp, we're nearly out of time for another Monday afternoon. Any other plants that you want to throw? We had a few more that you had been mentioned earlier. It did. At the start, we spoke about ornamental grape and Virginia creeper. And the reason I spoke about those is because as it cools off, uh, they give spectacular uh, red and orange colours uh, in the garden, especially if you, you know, you might have them over an entire wall. There's a very nice uh, plant. I think it's Virginia creeper up in Cooks Hill up behind How's That? And uh, it's over the entire wall and looks spectacular at this time of year. I also like them. Uh, because when the uh, when the leaves fall off in winter, you get this trellis of the branches all over the wall. So it's different. It's bare, but it, it looks still quite nice. Uh, so with the ornamental grapes, uh, look, they'll grow here in Newcastle very, very nicely. They don't get the uh, fungal problems that uh, some normal um, fruiting grapes get. Uh, and but it doesn't uh, really get a fruit on it. You get these sort of tiny oh, little okay. nodules here. So it's not that exciting. You're not going to be able to make wine and. Oh, or sit there and pop grapes the whole afternoon while someone fans you. No, yeah, we'll have someone peel them for you, mate. I mean, no. You sound like the Emperor uh, Nero there. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had peeled grapes. I have peeled a couple and it's quite a different way to eat them. Okay. Yeah. You don't get that sort of burst of juiciness straight away. Oh, right. Yeah. I oh, see. I like the burst. Yeah. It sort of, just sort of almost starts to melt on the tongue. Mm. Yeah. But I do need to employ someone to do that for me. Oh, yeah, you can't do it yourself. No, look, and I'd make so much money. I'd, you know, I probably could afford for, for that to happen. For some a... minion to... Yes. <laughs> just saying some first-year person at Sharps can... Yes, yeah, just the young apprentice. I hope the apprenticeship board isn't listening. <laughs> and the the other plant I was going to talk about, uh, equally uh, as a climber and for colour, is Virginia creeper. They're all very quick-growing, so you, you're, uh, your ornamental grape and your Virginia creeper, very, very quick-growing plants. And again, you get the beautiful uh, the red colouring uh, at this time of year uh, spilling off them. Uh, and then they drop their leaves and you get that lovely framework again as well. So both of them, Boston Ivy, Virginia Creeper uh, and the Ornamental Grape, equally very, very nice plants to have over a trellis for this time of year. Beautiful. Scott Sharp, that's all we've got for today. Okay, next week then. Out of time as per usual. And if you did miss any of today's show, you can check out our podcast at the 2 RFM webpage, 2 com, or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>